Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. Hey, listen, last week we started a series that we're calling Now What? And so today we're going to continue in that series in week two. And here's, here's what's going on with this series. You know, following the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, really didn't know what to do in many ways. Didn't really know what to think. In fact, did you realize that it wasn't just the, the 12 that saw him and a few others? It was actually over 500 people that saw the resurrected Christ. Did you know that? It's in 1 Corinthians. It says over 500 people. That's a lot. It happened, okay? But here's the thing. That left a lot of people wondering, now what? Now what? You know, I think there's times in, in our life when we're confronted with a now what situation, right? We're, we've done this, this, this. Now what? Last week, Pastor Karen kicked off this series so beautifully by showing us that one of the things that can happen when we reach those now what moments is that doubt can kind of creep in. Who was here last week to, to, to hear Pastor? If you, man, wow. What a phenomenal word. What a phenomenal way to kick this series off because if we're being real, we got doubts, right? People back then had doubts. We still got doubts. But here's the thing. Pastor Karen showed us, number one, it's okay to have doubts, right? And in fact, the doubts that we have don't actually have to push us away from God. If we learn how to process them well, they can actually lead us closer to God. Come on, come on. Now, whenever you come up against a now what moment, let me tell you something that's really important. You need to be focused. You need to be focused. And here's the thing. One of the things that gets in the way of our focus is something called distraction. I want to talk for a few minutes today about how to avoid distraction in our life. You see, the definition of distraction is this. A distraction prevents us from giving our full attention to something else, right? That's what a distraction is. It's something that prevents us from giving our full attention to something else. As a backdrop for our discussion today on distraction, I want to show you a man in the Old Testament by the name of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a, a Jewish man who loved God, and he also loved his people. And the story of Nehemiah begins with a friend of his coming and telling him about some remnant people that had been exiled to Babylonia 140 years before. And he gives them a report. They've come back to Jerusalem, which had been destroyed all those years ago by the Babylonian army. And a mean king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe someone's heard of that name before. But when, ne when Nehemiah hears that this remnant of people coming out of exile has gone back to Jerusalem and what they found, it breaks his heart. Nehemiah's heart is broken. You see, the, the, the church, the, the, the temple back then, and the entire city had been destroyed 
by those Babylonians. And what I want to do is, is look at how Nehemiah handled things. Because I think we can learn what he did. Some things he did that can help us when it comes to avoiding distractions or how to handle distractions. Now, the first thing that Nehemiah did, and we read it in Nehemiah 1, verse 4, says this, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. Do we weep for the things that hurt God's heart? Think about that for a minute. And what does it say? And I mourned for a number of days, fasting and what? Praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's first reaction to avoid distraction was to pray. Now, here's the thing. Nehemiah knew he wanted to do something. If you read the rest of the account, he sets his mind to want to go rebuild that wall. That's what he wants to do. He wants to do something. But here's the thing. Before he does anything, Nehemiah prayed to God for direction. That's the first thing he did. Now, listen, I believe with all my heart that God formed you, he knew you, and he put passions in you. Things he wants to do through you, desires in your heart to do something eternal. Do something that's going to matter for eternity. You see, just like Nehemiah, I believe that God has a good work for every single one of us to do. Things that are going to make an eternal difference. But here's the thing. Distractions can take away sometimes from our God-given purpose. That's the danger of distraction. So here's the thing. How do we avoid distractions? How do you avoid distractions? You see, Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy, right? He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a king. He worked for a king, but he wasn't a king. He wasn't a warrior, really. He certainly wasn't a building contractor. You know, he didn't go to, you know, contractor you to learn how to build walls. He didn't have any of those skills. And yet God put it in his heart to do just that. He was a regular guy doing a regular job. And yet when he heard from his, his brother, his fellow Isra uh, Israelite, about what had happened to their city, his heart was broken. The temple had been destroyed. The gates, it says, were burned. And the whole city was literally left in ruins. And Nehemiah was broken by it. He was impacted by it. Because he saw a situation where his people now had no leadership, no direction. And Nehemiah said, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to do something about that. So Nehemiah, what's the first thing he did? He started praying. So the first thing I want to share with you is if, if you're wanting to avoid distractions, seek God before you do anything. It's going to save you a lot of time, first of all, right? It's going to save you a lot of time. Seek God before you do anything else. Yeah, I know you got these plans. I know you want to go do stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. That's great. And Nehemiah had those same things. He, he had it in his heart what he wanted to do. But before he did a thing, he went to God because he knew he was going to need God's help. And he wanted God's direction and guidance. Did you know that Jesus 
often would pray before he performed a miracle? There's a number of examples in Scripture where it says he prayed to the Father and then he did the miracle. Why did he do that? He was setting for us an example. Don't move forward till you go to God. Don't move forward. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. You see, what prayer does is it focuses our hearts and our minds on God, seeking his wisdom, his guidance, his direction, and his presence. That will help us avoid distractions. That will help us avoid distractions. Because guess what? Distractions are going to come. As sure as I'm standing here right now, is there anybody that lives a distracted, free life? No. Guaranteed, you don't. I know I don't. I guarantee you distractions are coming. And it's especially true that they're going to come if you're doing something for God or something important to God. How do I know that? Because we have an enemy who specifically doesn't want to see that happen. And one of the greatest weapons he tries to put up against us is something called distraction. You see, if Satan can't destroy you, he's going to try and distract you. Let me say that again. If Satan isn't just outright going to destroy you, he's going to try and distract you. I guarantee it. And you need to know that. You need to know that, that the enemy is going to come to distract you. And he's going to do whatever he can to take your eyes off your mission, your purpose, your calling, to distract you from living out God's will for your life. That's what he's doing. I want to look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, and see how the enemy tried to divert Nehemiah off of his plan, right? God had given him a mission to build the wall. Let's look at what happened. Nehemiah 6, 1 and 2 says, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished. So by this time, they'd pretty much finished building the main part of the wall wasn't completely finished yet, but they they'd covered all the gaps in it, right? They had it built enough. And they'd found out that uh, they finished rebuilding the wall and had no gaps remaining, though we had not yet set up the doors and gates. So it wasn't 100% finished yet. So Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them on the plain of Ono. Uh-oh. That doesn't sound good. Oh, no. That does not sound good. Someone asked you to meet on the plain of Ono. Don't go. And what does it say? But they intended to do harm. They were trying to distract Nehemiah. Okay? So Nehemiah, though, was on a mission to do something for God. And guess what? Here come the distractions. Anybody ever, hey, man, I'm ruined. I'm doing, I'm rocking and rolling and what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, whoop, distraction squirrel. Right? (laughs) Hey, it happens. But here's the thing. Nehemiah actually, if we read the scripture, Nehemiah recognized it as a distraction, right? So he ended up not going. But how many times do we recognize distractions? We see them coming, but we do it anyway. Come on. Come on. We, we say, oh, yeah, I know that's a distraction, but, oh, it's so, it looks so good. I'm just going to go. It won't make a difference. I'll just go do that. Come on. How do, how do we avoid that? How do, how do we avoid distraction. Well, of course we said prayer. Here's something else you can do to help avoid distraction. 
clarify your vision. Clarify the vision that God has given you for your life. You know, in Habakkuk 2.2, it says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. This verse is telling us very clearly, write down the vision that God has given you for your life. So that when the distractions come, you can go back to, oh, wait a minute, no, this is what God said I'm supposed to be doing. Write it down. Some people call it journaling. I mean, there, there, there's power in writing things down. So that when the distractions come, and they will come, you can go back. Here's something else to think about when you're doing that. What we think is an opportunity, God may actually be calling a distraction. See, there's a lot of things presented to us that look good on paper, or they look good in the moment. Can you put that slide up real quick? What we think is an opportunity, God may call a distraction. It's important that that we remember that. This is why we need to seek God before we do anything, right? Because otherwise, if we don't have God's kind of help when that when that opportunity comes we may not recognize it for what it really is a distraction that's why we need to seek God first we need to get in his word we need to find out what is it that's important to God so that when these things come to us we can measure that with what's important to God and what's important to God two things really people and building his kingdom if you if you if you boil down everything, those are the things that are important to God. His people, you, I, people, and getting his mission accomplished here on earth, building his kingdom. That's what's important to God. So as your vision, you're, you're developing that, you're matching that up with, is this in line with what God says is important? That's going to help you discern whether these opportunities coming to you are just fun things to do or on the surface good things or are they God things? That's important to eliminate or avoid distraction because we get so lost in the weeds on all these good things and we miss the great things that God wants to do. Here's something else. Ooh, this is good. We got to learn to say no. Whew. Come on, let me say it again. We got to learn to say no. Again, often what we think might be an opportunity to do something good is actually a distraction from our God-given purpose. Now, it doesn't always mean that the distraction is a bad thing. But know this, the enemy of our soul is going to send people our way and send things in our path. People that say, hey, just, you know, man, you can skip church. Just, just come, let's go to coffee. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, it sounds like on the surface really good, but it's actually really just a distraction. Can I show you two other distractions? One. These next two things are the two biggest things that are my personal distractions. I'm telling you right now. This and this. Now, Am I saying never sit down and binge a show or whatever? Hey, I'd, if I said that, I'd be the biggest hypocrite ever on the planet because I've done it. But, but I'm telling you right now, be careful. This is a distraction. This can be a distraction. Especially when you do them both at the same time, which I do all the time. Okay? I'm just telling you, be, be careful. Is there anything inherently bad with a TV remote control? 
maybe not. Is there anything inherently bad with a cell phone? No. But when they become bigger than God's purpose in our life, we got a problem. We got a problem. Again, if the devil can't destroy you, he's going to try and distract you. Here's the thing. I want to come back to this thing called no. Because this is important. Learn to say no to other things that might distract you. Learn to say no. No is one of the most important words in your vocabulary. Because here's the thing, you actually grow with a no. Not so much with a yes, why? Because what you learn to say no to makes room for the things you should say yes to that are more important. Do you see how the no is actually the thing that's gonna grow you more than your yes? Start with the no. No, that's not in line. No, I can't do that. No, that's not gonna happen. And here's the thing, you don't have to, people have such a negative connotation about saying no. Don't we? Anyone? I mean, I'm, hey, I, I can be like a people pleaser person. I don't know if anyone else here struggles with that. I can, I can be that way. And so we feel bad about saying no. Get over it. I'm telling you right now, learn to get over it. Because you're going to keep saying yes to things that are a distraction. And it's going to lead you away from your purpose. Because here's the thing, how you say no is important also, right? You don't have to have a, a, a frown on your face every time you say no. You can say no with a smile. Hey, I'm sorry. I, I, see, I just did it. I don't even have to say I'm sorry. I just have to say no. I'm not going to be able to do that. You see, how, you see how easy that is? You see how I just slipped right into that? Because we have a tendency to do that. We feel guilt. We feel shame. We feel all these things about saying that one word. No. And here's another one. Any parents? Okay. Parents, come on now. What's one of the great words we like to say to our kids when they ask us something? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's just a deferred no. Okay. Come on. Let's, let's, let's keep it real. So... So don't waste time with a maybe about something that's going to be a distraction. Just say no. Don't, because all you're doing is wasting your time. You're wasting the person's time that's asking the question. Pretty much get rid of the word maybe. Best you can, right? I, I'm telling you, just a no is a no. It's not a maybe. Don't waste your time. And here's the thing, no is actually a complete sentence. Think about it, any English teachers in here? No is actually a complete sentence. Bob, will you do this? No. And then there's a period next. So I've just, made, I've just made a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. Did you know that Jesus often said no? He often said no. There would be times that he'd be ministering to crowds healing people, and at some point he would say, that's it for today. That's all I'm going to do today. So no, I know there may be 18 more people still in line to come see me, but at some point he said no, and the reason most of the time he said no was so he could say yes to his father. See, Jesus needed time 
with his father. He needed time to recharge his batteries. <laughs> remember, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. He experienced tiredness, weariness, all the same things. Book of Hebrews says we don't have a Savior who's unfamiliar with our <laughs> problems because he experienced every single one of them. So Jesus lovingly would say no. He wasn't being mean. I don't believe there was a mean, well, I know. There wasn't a mean bone in Jesus' body. What he was being was wise. When Jesus said no, he wasn't being mean. He was being wise. There were so many times that Jesus would have to say no. No is one of the most important things that you can say because here's the thing. You can't be available to everyone all the time because here's what happens. If you're always available to everyone, eventually you will have nothing to give anyone. Say that again. If you're always available to everyone, eventually you're going to have nothing to give anyone. We have to be strategic with our no's. We say no because we actually really do care about what God has called us to do. That's what our no needs to mean. Not being mean, but saying, yes, I actually care so much about the things that God has called me to do. I'm going to say no to some things. That's what it means. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Come on. In fact, in the story of Nehemiah, there's four different times where his enemies try to distract him to some kind of a meeting. Four different times. And each one of those times, he says, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I know it's going to be hard to say no sometimes. It's going to be hard. But we have to say no to some things that are not part of what God has called us to do. Got to do that. Here's something else that can help us when it comes to avoiding distractions, that something else that can distract us. The whispers of other people. Some might call it gossip, called a lot of different things. I want to show you how Nehemiah handled that. Also in chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, this is what it says. It is reported among the nations and Geshem, and Geshem says it's true. <laughs> well, Geshem says it's true. It must be true. If Facebook says it's true, I guess it must be true. All right. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report... We'll get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. So that's what his enemies were saying. And now I want to show you how Nehemiah replied to that. He said this, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. So these people who couldn't de de uh, distract Nehemiah one way tried something else. Let's just, let's just spread a rumor. Actually, what they did is they started a rumor. 
right? In the spirit, they actually initiated the rumor. Hey, man, we've, we've heard you're building this wall so you can become a king. And we've heard you're bringing these prophets together. It's going to tell everybody about it. Nehemiah said, you fools don't know what you're talking about. That's literally what we said. You guys are crazy. He literally said, you're making this up out of your head. They were trying to distract Nehemiah. What things is the enemy trying to use to distract you? Oh, it's no big deal if I go to church today. Yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just going to stay home, go to the lake. Here's the thing. These people started rumors because they couldn't distract him one way, so they just started talking. Started talking. Here's what I want you to remember. Don't let the whispers of people detract you from the call of God. Don't let the whispers of people, the rumors, what people are saying about you, distract you from the call of God. I hope you understand this, that you will never do big things. You're, hear me now. You're never going to do big things in your life or for God if you get distracted by small-minded people. You will, you will not be able to do the things God's called you to do if you continually get distracted by small-minded people. Their misinformation, their gossip, their rumors. Don't let the opinion of others take you away from the calling that God has on your life. Look, man, Pastor Cantor and I, we, we get grief a lot over the years from even our family. I'm just going to tell you right this. We, we've missed family functions. We've missed family events. Mo, I would say almost always because there's something going on in the church life that we felt was a higher priority. And I'm going to be honest with you. They, didn't, they don't understand. It's like, you know, oh, you're going to miss another one, huh? I guess I am. Because if I have to choose between a birthday party, another birthday party, and counseling someone who's about to kill themselves, guess what I'm going to choose? And I've been in that position before. I've, 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 I've been there. Actually, more than once. That exact scenario. I'm going to give my life to the things that God has asked me to do because that's the highest priority that I have in my life. Now, hey, we love our family. Don't, don't, don't hear, you know, diss your family. No, we, we, we love our family. But there are just certain things that we're not going to compromise on, certain things that we're going to prioritize in our life because the most important work we can ever do is building the kingdom of God. That's what lasts. That's what I don't, God bless them, God willing, they'll, they'll be another birthday party. There'll, there'll be another get together you can go to. Wonderful. Is it affecting eternity? It's a big question to ask yourself. Here's the thing. Don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what's true about you. Don't, don't worry what people say about you. Worry about what is true. Now, that actually has two meanings. Thing, I just want to mention this. That doesn't mean if someone, that means you're not above critique, right? So if someone does point something out to you, you do have to have a spirit to hear it, right? It's not like, oh, well, I'm just, I don't care what they say. Well, no, I mean, but analyze it, right? Where is it coming from? Is there some truth to it? Okay, you can utilize that. But it also is the other meaning of what's true about you is you are a child of God. 
God has plans for your life. God has purpose for your life. That's the other truth that you always have to be balancing all of this with. It's, it's both. Live a life that honors God. Invest your time, your talent, your treasure in that. Don't let the whisperers detract you from what God's mission is for you. When Nehemiah heard there's a rumor, instead of letting that discourage him, actually God simply used it to make Nehemiah more determined. That's what you need to do. That's what I need to do. Don't, don't let these rumors detract us. Let it make us more determined to live the way God's called us to live. And what did he do? He called them out on their foolishness. Not a, I mean, some of you may, may get a little more in someone's face than another. I mean, Nehemiah, Nehemiah pretty much got in their face and said, y'all are crazy. Uh, you know, everything you're making up is right off top, you know, out of your head, literally. But you may need to sometimes just tell people, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Leave it at that and move on. He was determined to do what God was calling him to do. Axel, if you'll come when you get a minute. You see, God gave you gifts to make a difference both in the church and as the church. That's out in the world. Remember, the church is not just this building. That's great. We are the church in the world. God created us to make a difference. Take a step of faith. Don't listen to the whispers. Even if it's your own voice sometimes whispering, saying, oh, you don't have what it takes. Don't listen to those whispers either. You know, don't listen to the whispers that say, oh, I, I could never, you know, help out in kids' ministry. I don't even know what I'm doing. Well, do you know how to turn on a TV and print out a few handouts? Oh, I, I don't know if I could ever help with hospitality. Do you know how to serve coffee and water? About all there is to it. Well, I, I could never greet or usher. Well, you stand out there and you say hi to people. You shake their hands. You see, we, we, we begin to listen to the whispers that say, oh, you can't do that. Or, you know, if we're being real, you don't want to do it. Come on, that's, that's another whisper. It's internal things going on in your brain. Because let me tell you, there's a big whisper in the world right now that says this. What about what I want to do? Would you ever have that whisper in your ear? What about me? What about me? And here's the thing, if you listen to that voice, it's going to distract you. Jesus said we ought to die to ourselves, so that we can live in him. That is, my brothers and sisters, the Christian walk. That's what you have signed up for. Perhaps you didn't know that yet. If you didn't, I'm here to remind you and me. that That's actually what we signed up for. Not about what's in it for me. If you get distracted with that, before you know it, you're going to be lost. Don't listen to that whisper that calls you away from the things of God. Step out in faith and see what God will do with your obedience. Before you know it, you're going to see that you are making a difference. That God is using your life to build his kingdom here on earth. Now, maybe you're already even serving somewhere, but you kind of feel yourself still distracted, still drifting a bit. And you listen to that voice, and all of a sudden you start thinking, well, maybe it's okay just to be away from church for a while, maybe even get away from God. It, it's okay if I don't read my Bible. I don't feel like praying today. You start finding reasons not to come to church on Sunday. 
And let me encourage you, that's actually when you really, and I mean really, need to press into God. Here's why. Because you see, when you're doing that, and then you're also helping others, we have an enemy that does not like that. And he's going to keep sending distractions. I guarantee it. So we really need to seek God. We need to press into God. We need to be here in church. You see, sitting alone, unless you're completely unable to come, and there are some people that you know, medically just can't get to places, but just sitting in your house alone, even doing a devotional or a podcast, I love them, I love them all. But here's the thing, we weren't meant to live in isolation. And here's the other thing, there's actually no protection there. The protection is God's church. That's the way he set it up. That's where you're going to find safety from the enemy. That's where you're going to find other people that have your back, that will encourage you, and that you can encourage. Please, I've said this before, never, ever underestimate the power of your presence. You may not think it's a big deal, but I'm telling you it's a big deal. God says it's a big deal. Never underestimate the power of your presence for your own life and for the lives that you are going to impact. This is where we come together to wor worship corporately. Yes, is there a time in the week to be studying the Bible on your own or listen to podcasts? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is part of our walk. But this is where we're called to corporately worship. And there's power in corporately worshiping. Hebrews chapter 10 reminds us, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is Paul talking way back in the early church. It was already happening. People were going to the lake instead of coming to temple. People were just doing their own thing instead of gathering together. It started way back. And Jesus hadn't been gone that long. I want to tell you, this is something that's not new. It's not new. Paul's warning us from the beginning, don't do this. Don't do this. There are forces of darkness that are fighting against what God wants to do. He's going to keep sending distractions. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to be ready to avoid those distractions? Any diversion, any distraction, any temptation to do anything other than gather together on Sundays, in many ways we got to learn to say no. I, I'm, I'm just keeping it real. Are there other things that you could be doing on a Sunday? Yes, there are. Absolutely. We see them all the time. Trips, sports, whatever. There's, there's so many things competing for people's time on a Sunday right now. And we have far too many people in our culture saying yes to the, the other opportunities to the detriment of their own walk with God. I say that with all sincerity, with all love. Does that mean if you ever miss a Sunday, you're going to hell? Of course not. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying prioritize. Prioritize. What are your priorities? My friends, there's something that God has created you to do. And most often it's going to start in the church. That won't be the only place he's calling you to do things. But oftentimes it's going to start right here in this body of believers. This is where you can connect to Jesus. This is where you can find your purpose and make a difference in this life. You see, we're created with this desire in our hearts to do something 
that's going to live beyond us. I hope, I hope that's in your heart. I hope you look at your life as something that's more than just the 60, 70, 80, however many years God gives you, and that's all there is. We're here to leave something because that's what God wants to do. God's a generational father. And it isn't just a good work he's calling us to. It's a great work. Sometimes we have to say no to the good to get to the great. You have a great work to do for God. Seek him always. I want to share a story very briefly. It's not going to be on your screen. Just just listen to me. Because Jesus so beautifully put these things together for us. In Luke chapter 18, it's the story of the rich ruler. Maybe you've, you've heard this story. There's two parts to the story that I want to talk about. I'm not going to read it, but basically this ruler comes to Jesus and said, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you, you know the commandments, right? The ruler says, yeah, done them all. Got it. Since I was a kid, man, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus looked at him, said, okay, cool. What about this money situation? What about this distraction of money in your life? Why don't you just go ahead and sell everything you have and come follow me? See, for the ruler, money was his distraction. He wasn't able to do it. He walked away. He gave up building the kingdom of God because he was distracted by money. What are you distracted by? What are you willing to walk away and not build the kingdom of God for? Is there something, some other priority in your life that you're willing to give up the kingdom of heaven for something here on earth? It's a challenging word, isn't it? And then right after, remember his disciples were gathered around watching this because Jesus was telling a parable. And then Jesus answered the question, what about me? And this is how he answered it. Peter, this is what Peter said to him, starting in verse, you know, Peter, man, come on, Lord, let's, let's, let's go do this. This is what Peter said, starting in verse 28 of chapter 18. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. In other words, hey, we've gotten rid of our distractions. Come on, man. What, 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 what about me? What's, what's going to happen to me? That's what Peter was saying. And this is what Jesus said. It's interesting. It says he said to them. He, so he wasn't just answering Peter. He was actually said, this is what he said to them. This is what Jesus said. Truly, I say to you, you is me and you. There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this life. Some translations say you will receive up to a hundred times anything that you think you are giving up. And here's the beautiful thing. In this life, Jesus says you're going to see that. And 
in the age to come after this life, eternal life. What's in it for you? That's what's in it for you. Jesus knows what you need. There's nothing you're ever going, there's no distraction that you're going to put to the side that you are not going to be multiplied with Christ in receiving much more than you could ever even think about giving up. We can't outgive God ever. Just remember that. Don't, don't let the distractions of life get in the way of the calling of God.